Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier. Well, we've had quite the wild and interesting week heading into this, well, beginning this new year. Not heading into it, we are into it. For those that were all but glued to their TVs, watching the election process for the Speaker of the House, knows just what a, an interesting time that was for, well, for the house, but also for the nation. There's so many interesting things at play and at stake here. And through it all, I was reminded of a a couple different things. First, the, well, you could say the democratic process, the fighting that many observed, which almost led to an actual physical altercation. However, it was the amount of, I'll say, discussion and discourse that was generated between the parties as they gear up and get ready for what they are actually called to do, to lead, to bring about, really, the Lord's will as reflected through the people. It's vitally important. Because there has been, a, for quite some time, a conflict in ideology and of morals, or the lack thereof, in this nation. And we, the people, have been the most impacted for such a long time more so than the leaders and the leaders that have been elected in order to bring about the Lord's will in our lives, but ultimately for this nation, not just the one generation, but putting things together as the Lord desires, doing his will for the future generations, for continued hope and peace and prosperity in their lives, that this nation will be, will continue to be a blessing to the whole earth and the nations thereof. You know, and I'm, as I, many look at this situation, say, oh, well, there's, there's weakness in the leadership and infighting and, and all these other things. And yeah, that was on full, full blast that was highlighted this week. But if we really think back, there's a, a painting commemorating what's been titled and called The Spirit of 76 for this nation, the United States. And in it is there to capture or an attempt to capture and commemorate one of the, well, for many that were in that time period, what's been described as a period of agony where there were many unknowns that were being tested. The people were being tested. The generals were being tested. Those that would eventually become leadership in this nation were being tested on what they would do, what they would choose. Would they succumb to the pressure faced by the, the British? 
Or would they continue to do what they know, knew to do what was right and trust the Lord that he would bring about the deliverance? But also understanding why they could trust the Lord. See, the Lord has a will. He has a destiny. And he has left that inheritance for us, for his people, as he designed it. We, for our part, have to do what he is requiring us to do. And then, well, as, as it were with the spirit of 76, 1776 that is, it was about actual warfare. It was about actual fighting. But I was also brought to this place in Scripture in Jeremiah 16. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 14 and going through 21, it says this, talking about the restoration of Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said, as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore them to their own land, which I gave to their fathers. Behold, I am going to send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will fish for them, and afterwards I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them from every mountain and every hill, from the clefts of the rocks, for my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. I will first doubly repay their iniquity and their sin, because they have polluted my land. They have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable idols and with their abominations. O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, and my refuge in the day of distress. To you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, Our fathers have inherited nothing but falsehood, futility, and things of no profit. Can man make gods for himself? Yet they are not gods. Therefore, behold, I am going to make them know. This time I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Well, for those that may have listened to the word of the Lord for 2023, so last week's podcast episode, much of what we were discussing there is contained in this section of scripture and identifying a, a revelation of what has been taught and how and how much in opposition to the Lord and his ways, his thoughts, his nature, his character, and his attributes have been passed on in this nation and generation. And to include the use of legislation to teach the people and get them to willfully participate in sexual immorality, idolatry, and ultimately joining themselves or entering into covenant 
to other gods. And in the case that we were covering there was in Numbers 25, that was, that was Baal. But here the Lord says he is going to do it. He is going to fight the battles. He is going to deliver them. He, the Lord, is my strength and stronghold and refuge in the day of distress. You know, that's going back to the spirit of 1776. That was something that our founding fathers had a great, well, I'll just say they had a great faith. They had a hope and a trust in the Lord that he would deliver them, that he would guide them, that he would take care of them in all their ways. Even though, yes, they did endure some hardships, they had to go through a great many trials and ordeals, but the Lord's the one that brought about the victory. And the, and the why is because, well, this land was dedicated as a new Israel, not as a replacement for Israel, but as a, a second Israel, attaching, if you will, uh, our destiny and the destiny of the people to Israel because it was founded upon the Lord God. And also the Lord brought about in First Chronicles chapter 5, talking about the uh, genealogy of Gad, which actually begins in chapter 5, verse 11. But it says this very interesting thing starting in verse, I'll say 18. It says, The sons of Reuben and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, consisting of valiant men, men who bore a shield and sword and shot with bow and were skillful in battle. They were 44,760 who went to war. They made war against the Hagrites, Jeter, Nafish, and Nodab. They were helped against them, and the Hagrites and all who were with them were given into their hand, for they cried out to God in battle, in the battle, and he answered their prayers because they trusted in him. And of course, then it goes into what they received, the spoils of war, as it were. But in verse 22, it says this very key thing. For many fell slain because the war was of God, and they settled in their place until the exile. And, and the whole story, and even though it's just a few verses, really stuck with me. Because, again, when we look at even the nation today and everything that's happening within this nation, the Lord has appointed men who are very skilled. And skilled in battle doesn't always just mean fighting and warfare. Yes, David was a tactician. King David was a tactician. But he was also a statesman. As he also trained his son Solomon to be. So yes, there is a, an aspect of warfare and knowing what to do and being decisive 
and bold in what to do when it's required, but it's not always discussing or concerning warfare. War and warfare is as a last resort. It is when all the discussion and communication and discourse has broken down and there are no other options on the table. That is how warfare was meant or intended to be used. All the discussion, the discourse, dialogue has an element of warfare in it in that it must be skillful. It must be used properly. And in a similar manner, those that are in those positions in leadership must be bold to fight the, uh, the good fight, if you will, in faith to declare what the Lord is saying for the generation and the generations to restore this nation back to the Lord. You know, restore, which is what we were talking about in Jeremiah. This is with that section of scripture is titled the restoration God or God will restore them typically. And restore means a couple things, a few things. It means to give back or return, to put or bring back into existence or use, to bring back or put back into a former or original state, otherwise known as renew, and to put again into possession of something. You know, I was also reminded of what's said of Elijah and John the Baptist, how they were going to restore, they were called to restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. But what tends to be misunderstood or overlooked when it comes to restoration is the things, there are things in this restoration process that must be uprooted, that must be replaced with truth, strengthening them, removing the things that have or add no value or blessing or benefit to the lives of the people. Well, I'll, and I say the people because I'm ultimately looking at the nation, but I mean in our lives in our relationships, whether that's in, and it starts in the home, but it starts with us first and foremost. Those, those lives, those lies must be uprooted and must be replaced with truth. And it keeps extending beyond our, ourself and our family and our home to our community, our state, to our nation. Restoration is a, it's an intense process because it requires a lot of work to undo something and then to build it up, to strengthen the foundation and the structure that was already in place in order to continue to build and have that foundation and structure continue to be built upon and to sustain itself and to uphold the weight 
from the future generations that continue to stand on it so they can better themselves and their standing. And, and I want to speak to the people. This is matters for us, but I also want to speak to the leaders and encourage you to go forth with boldness. And that includes the, the House, the U.S. House of Representatives, to go forth in boldness, not uniting in wrongdoing, but uniting in, in faith, faith of the Lord God in our most holy faith. I ask you to go forth in boldness and to do all the Lord is telling you to do. Not for your own betterment, but for the betterment of the people, of the nation, for this and the future generations, to bring about a restoration. Yep. Things will be difficult. You'll be tried. You'll be tested. There are many that think, just like in 1776, that there is no way you can win. That there is no way you can accomplish what needs to be accomplished. But rest assured, it's not you doing this of your own strength. It is the Lord God who is fighting the battles for you, who will bring about many miraculous things as you continue to go forth in him and in his strength, in his might. Because that's the only way this can be accomplished. It can't be done of your own strength. It can't be done of any of our own strength. Or it would have happened already. But the Lord will bring it about. The arm of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save. And he will bring it to pass because he has left for us an inheritance. And he has uprooted and is even still uprooting those detestable things, abominations and idols that were worshipped. So we can further turn to him to do what he says, to do his will above our own. Moving forward in the things of him, not our own will, but his and his alone. He will bring it to pass. He is the only one that can. So I just want to encourage each of you tonight with that word. Let you know that we love you. And I thank you for being a supporter of this show, for listening and applying it to your life. I want to thank you all for standing for righteousness and justice. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.